Hello, friends in podcast land. This is Sue Ellen Jones, and I am your host of Sacred Silence. I can be found at Essential Life Essence, where I teach what is the essence of our life, what is essential, what are essential oils, and how do they figure into healthy living. There's a blog. I talk about diet, exercise, emotions, and a lot more. In fact, I have a wonderful article on there about getting together as a family and having your meals together and the very many benefits that we have from that. Check it out. Also, you can connect to Sacred Silence on my Facebook group where I go deeper into these teachings. There are units there that go one through seven, and you can learn the science and the spirituality of meditation, and it's all free. Please consider supporting this podcast. There's a button there that you can click, and you can support for 99 cents, 10 $20, something of that nature. And message me. I love to hear from listening audience. It kind of helps steer this ship here. So send me a message. It would be a voice message on the Anchor app. Or look in the program notes where I include my email. Or you can send a text. Thank you and stay tuned. Welcome to Sacred Silence. This is Sue Ellen Jones back with you one more time. Today, we want to address how many people seem to really struggle with just being still. And it's, I've addressed it several times, but today doing it even a little differently. So, without further ado, we'll just get ourselves positioned for this wonderful meditation. I'm going to call it the surprise meditation. We want to sit and get ourselves very comfortable or perhaps lying down. The point is that we are energy bodies, that there is a frequency that our body emits and it can flow freely or sometimes it gets pinched off. So we want to make sure that this energy is flowing freely, therefore the instruction in how to sit or lie down correctly. And then in this beautiful, quiet place, we want to first of all observe our breathing, and that is putting our intention on an activity that is normally automatic, and never observed, but today we shall observe it. By doing that, we are accessing the subconscious part of our our mind. Now, this part of our mind controls almost every bodily function that you have, and you never think about it at all. It just does its work. It also is a place in our mind where initial impressions were stored especially with those that are connected with fear, which means whenever a fear uh, made itself known to you or you became afraid of something, and especially if it was the very first time you'd ever been exposed to that particular fear, it makes a huge impression on the subconscious mind. 
Our subconscious mind does not tell us what to do, nor does it make decisions for us. It is not wise and uh, it isn't uh, judging. It simply does what is imprinted or programmed on the subconscious for it to do. So if you are exposed to a circumstance or an event or whatever it might be, especially as a young child, because most of our new experiences begin as children. That's why it usually goes back that far. And these fears, these fearful feelings that arise are really a culmination of and a collection of chemicals that are released. It is the the fear that we actually feel is a chemical being released. And for most, it is called cortisol. And there are a few others, but that is the large chemical that is known and contributes to um, all the fear-based problems that we end up with. Now, cortisol is a very good thing if you need instant energy to escape a danger. So if you put your hand over a stove and the flame is on, you're going to pull it back and that instant reaction will carry over to the next time. And the next time you go to put your hand, there will be a little check in your spirit. And that's the cortisol that is um, released in your subconscious mind triggered that old experience and you reacted from the pain that you felt that first time. You pull your hand back very quickly. Later in life, we might have life's problems as well. So for an example, just so that we can relate, if you have a troublesome marriage, then you can look back a bit and probably see that uh, you may have had, your mother may have had difficulties with men, or you may have difficulties because, just because the, the person you married was very difficult. That could be true. But when we meditate, what it will do is, well, however that fear-based message came, whether it was because someone else uh, took advantage of your naivety and then showed their true colors and you suddenly found yourself in uh, a very difficult situation, then that becomes a trigger. It's on your subconscious mind as a trigger. Now, it might be that you have a previous experience that will help you to feel really good about yourself so that when these negative things happen in our lives, and they will happen, there is always good and there is also bad and evil. When they happen, we either take the defensive position or the offensive position. We either know who we are and are convinced of our worth and love, or we take the defensive position, and it, which probably is hiding. That tends to be 
a big one. Or it might be acting out and uh, being uh, belligerent in many different circles, not just, and in particular, not, most likely not in the situation that you're in. But with other people, you'll take it out on them, and they're completely innocent. So these are situations that have happened to you in a personal way. And we haven't really thought in our lifetime much about the lasting effect of a situation you find yourself in, and particularly how you felt about it. We haven't really given much thought to that, but meditation is about thinking about your thinking. It is called a metacognition. It is something they teach in school, actually. So today, we are going to just bring ourselves into some uh, places where we can learn about who we are. For truly, once you know who you are, your identity, all the rest of the problems and situations will take a back seat. And you will lead with assurances and with confidence in who you are, who you were made to be. And this will have an entirely different result. So here we are already in position, and we're simply going to place our attention on the breath. And follow it in, and follow it out. Breathe any way you wish. It can be a deep breath, or it can be a very normal breath, but we want to See it coming in, filling our lungs, expanding, and the exhale as it goes out. It does help some to see goodness and grace coming in through the intake and everything that doesn't belong on the exhale. Some would say love on the intake everything that doesn't belong on the exhale. If this helps you with your intention of observing your breath, then use it because it's good. Let's stay here for a couple of minutes. starting at the top of your head and going clear down to the tip of your toes. We want to welcome our entire body to relax, to enter deeper and deeper relaxation. So we just speak to our own body. We speak to ourselves as if they were children. We say relax and go deeper. Again, for some, it helps 
if they see a golden liquid starting at their top top of their head flowing and following this very gentle flow that everything touched by every part of your body touched by the golden flow relaxes relaxes and goes deeper so stay with your breath and watch your body as it relaxes relaxes and goes deeper and deeper into relaxation stay with this for a couple of moments and you can put it on pause to extend the time this is a time of accessing the theta brainwave which is where all our programs can be reprogrammed or even deleted Now you should be in a very deep state of relaxation. Now while you continue to breathe, I want to tell you a little story. So just listen. Once upon a time, in a land far away, there was a king and queen who had a beautiful kingdom. And their kingdom was just one of many In the surrounding forest were some of the thieves and and uh, those the criminals that would sometimes invade their kingdom but in their castle they were safe and the walls surrounding the city kept the city safe the king and queen had a beautiful child a little girl a baby This baby was beautiful and bedecked as only a princess of a kingdom could be bedecked, dressed in the finest fabrics with the finest oils on her body. She slept in the most beautiful cradle ever. She had a maid and a butler, all her own. The king and the queen were particularly happy and overjoyed with their child. And they paid attention to this child. And every day around noon, the baby, now about a year, would go to bed for a nap. And the queen felt that it was important for the mother to always tuck the child in. So she came along and would sit by this cradle, sometimes with the baby on her lap, and sometimes with the baby already in the cradle, just gently moving and rocking the cradle. And she would sing a lullaby. Now the queen sang the most lilting, effortlessly 
flowing song that just lifted itself on a harmony and a melody that was truly coming from her very heart and her very soul. And she would sing this lullaby over the child every day at noon. One day, the most unimaginable, horrific event. When the nursemaid entered the nursery to collect the child in the morning, the child was gone. The window was open and the child was not in the crib. Well, it was terrifying news for the king and the queen. And they quickly took it to the subjects of their kingdom and announced it from a a high balcony. Our dear, sweet Matilda is gone. Princess Matilda is gone. Someone has taken her. And the neighbors... And the citizens of this great city, this great village, spread the word far and near to everyone who would listen in an effort to find sweet Princess Matilda. But no one heard a thing. No one saw a thing. Matilda was just gone. So, now, what were they to do? Time was passing. And it did indeed pass that over the next few years, nothing was heard from Princess Matilda. It was as if she vanished in thin air. King and queen never, never gave up. Many years now, ten years have gone by, and the king and queen are still going about the business of the kingdom, never had another child. Still looking, but definitely it wasn't on the front burner any longer. They were called out to a neighboring village, to bring word of the state of the kingdom, how things were being run and what was necessary from the villagers and the surrounding areas. They made their trip in a long caravan with the king and queen riding in a special coach, a very beautiful coach that was obviously for the royalty. They came through the city and throngs and throngs of people gathered around. They were loved and beloved. And everyone's heart went out to them because of their great, great sorrow. They made their way to the podium. And the king 
made his way up the steps and began to speak to the throngs and throngs of people that had gathered in this large crowd. He was about three quarters of the way through, when off in the distance there was some something interesting in the air, something interesting. And the queen just perked right up, sat very straight in her chair. And before you knew, she was off the stage and making her way through the crowd. Even the guards were left stunned and in her wake. On she went. The king now, watching her and seeing her literally disappear, that she had gone such a great distance, he thought, I must follow. So follow he did. And the guards were with him, and some eventually caught up with the queen. But the queen was on a mission because, you see, she heard the song. She heard the lullaby being carried on the wind. And she was so in tune to it that even before her ears heard it, her heart heard it. Her heart felt that melody and those notes. And she was led right to the face and the person of her beloved princess, Matilda, standing there as now a young girl. She didn't really look like Princess Matilda, but she sang the song. Well, the queen and the guards said, this is Princess Matilda. They grabbed her and off they went. They pushed her through the crowd, got her back to the beautiful coach, set aside for royalty, King, Queen, Matilda, and the entire entourage turned about and went back to their home and castle. The news that Matilda was found was amazing. And it was like celebration and 4th of July and Christmas all rolled into one and everyone in the communities round about for many, many miles were celebrating in the streets and with festivals and food and wine and everyone was thrilled beyond happy. Except maybe Matilda. You see, Matilda, as it turned out, had been carried off by the thieves and the criminals of the woods. She had spent 10 to 12 years learning their trade, and she was very good at it. As the days passed in this beautiful palace of which she lived, it just didn't seem to suit her. Why, in fact, she lived pretty much like a thief in the palace. When they went out into the street to shop or to pay attention to their subjects of the kingdom, why, Matilda would steal from the vendors and she would actually tear some of the displays down, just kind of 
having a little fit in the temper tantrum. And the king and queen would pay for the damages. And they would pay for the food or pay for whatever was stolen. And they would take her back to their her beautiful palace, her beautiful room. Every day they would lay out beautiful clothes for her and and the her special uh, person that came in to help her every day, her maid, to dress her, would lay out the most beautiful outfits every day. And you know, Matilda, if she had to wear them, she ended up tearing them up and putting dirt and soot and doing whatever she could. She was very, very uncomfortable in them. Well, I think many people would have given up or much time was going by. And it was pretty obvious to the king and queen that this little girl of theirs really wasn't acting much like a princess at all, but in fact was acting very much like a criminal or a thief. They got together and they said to one another, what shall we do? Well, there was only one thing. The one thing that has sustained them all those years, the one thing that they felt when she first came, when she was first born. There was only one thing. They would love her anyway. So when she would tear and rip her clothes up, they would get rid of the torn garments and they would bring her new clothes. And they would tell her, you are a princess and you are our lovely, lovely daughter. And we love you just the way you are, but you are a princess. When she would throw her food at the table and eat with her fingers and make a huge mess, they would just simply come by and clean her up, push the mess away and begin again. And they would tell her, you are our beloved daughter and you are a princess. And even when they took her on the city streets and she ran around stealing fruit and stealing candy from the vendors, the king would pay for her misdeeds, but he would take her aside and he would say, which of the lovely candies would you like for today? Not because you have earned it, but because I love you, I'm giving you this beautiful candy. And I'm going to give you something of value because you are so valuable to me. And the little girl, little Matilda, she would get something, even though she'd been very, very naughty. And they just continued to do this. They did not get weary. They never stopped acts of kindness and love. Patience was a virtue in the castle. And there was not a maid or a servant in the entire 
facility allowed to raise their voice with Matilda. In fact, they were all instructed to correct her with gentleness and kindness and go on their way. And a day came when Matilda looked up with a tear-stained face and a dress that was half on and half off in the midst of a, a big fit and temper tantrum. She just stopped and froze. And she looked up at the maid and she looked up at the queen and she said, why? Why do you love me? And the queen said, because you are our beautiful Princess Matilda. You are our beloved daughter. And it began to sink in. Love was covering all of the lies that Matilda had been told for many years. Love was covering up her past and making it become faded. And she was looking at what was before her, her mother, the maid, and soon the king. And now they were all dressed in their most royal garments with gold threads and silver linings beautiful scarlet colors, purples, the deepest shades. And they sat down as a family to have their dinner. And must I even tell you, they certainly did live happily ever after. And Matilda never forgot who she was. And now, as you are listening to this, this is a story of who you are. You too have a past. It contains good and bad. But who you are is the most amazing, marvelous, incredible son or daughter of the creator of the universe. And you were made in his exact image. Made after him. By the very breath that he breathes. He breathed life. And so, today's meditation will just see a button. A button. And the button says, reprogram. If What you believe about yourself does not line up with the perfect, beautiful, talented, brilliant self that you are. Hit the button now and let that reprogram. Yes, it is possible to change our minds, metanoia. Yes, it is possible to look back at a history of destruction and do so without the feelings of regret and sorrow or fear. But to look back 
just to see without any cost to our emotional self. Not invested in the fear any longer. And we're living from the present moment, which is ours, ours to create. Most magnificent, wonderful present for you truly. Our kingdom is within us. So said Jesus. Kingdom of God is within you. And it will be whatever you wish it to be. And see it through his eyes. The eyes of the king, the eyes of the queen. You are the princess. Until another time.